Hello and welcome to the Quipster Film Review Podcast. My name is Vince Leo. I'm the author of the film review website, Quipster.net. You can find this review as well as many other reviews in written format at my website, Quipster.net, Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. Today's film is called Love and Mercy. It is a biopic on the musical genius behind the Beach Boys' many hits, Brian Wilson, and it is a film that came out in 2014, originally at Tor- the Toronto International Film Festival, but now is currently, at, at least at the, at the time of this recording, is being released in a limited fashion in the United States. It is a PG-13 film for its thematic elements, some drug content and language. It is just a smidge over two hours long at 121 minutes, and it stars John Cusack, Paul Dano, Elizabeth Banks, and Paul Giamatti. The director is Bill Polad, who actually this is his only second film as a director, and his first film was almost 25 years before um, in 1990. Uh, Polad is mostly known for being a an Academy Award winning film producer, including for films including uh, most notably 12 Years a Slave, but he also did work on Into the Wild and Tree of Life, and also was executive producer for Brokeback Mountain. Uh, The screenplay is by Oren Moverman and Michael Allen Lerner. Those of you who are big fans of Brian Wilson will recognize the title, Love and Mercy. It not only fits in thematically with the the gist of the movie, but also uh, takes its name from the very first track on Brian Wilson's very first solo album that came out in 1988. So this being a biopic on Brian Wilson, it really spotlights the musical genius behind many of the Beach Boys' greatest and most critically acclaimed hits. This is a movie that's kind of unique because it's told in two parts. It's not the story of him as a young child growing up and then his ups and his downs. This really just concentrates on two eras of his life and how, and, and it, it shifts back and forth between them in a way that actually is very thematically astute. Um, the first, or the, the older of the two prongs of the tales is set in the 1960s in which Wilson, and during these scenes he's played by Paul Dano, he would quit life touring with his brothers in order to spend most of his days in the studio to work on their next album, which would become probably their most ambitious album that they had released at the time called Pet Sounds. Um, and then uh, it actually dabbles into uh, the defunct album that ended up being shelved. It ultimately would be released m- decades later um, called Smile. And then um, the other uh, prong in that tale is takes place in the 1980s when Wilson, who is played by John Cusack during these scenes would be kept under the tight scrutiny of his therapist, round the clock therapist, by the way, called uh, Dr. Eugene Landy, who's played by Paul Giamatti. Uh, Landy had been treating the reclusive and very troubled Wilson for paranoid schizophrenia. Um, interestingly enough, Wilson's most creative period was also his most troubled because his mental illness allowed him to draw out styles and sounds that were unheard of in any album recording up to that date. But this also affected his personal life and his professional life to the point of disaster. 
Wilson's later years were characterized by his subservience to his doctor and, uh, Eugene Landy really controlled every aspect of his life during this period and, uh, including Wilson's budding romance with a Los Angeles car salesperson named Melinda Ledbetter, who is played by Elizabeth Banks and, uh, Ledbetter as she gets to draw closer to this very reclusive artist, uh, begins to come under the assumption that perhaps he's being manipulate manipulated and and more than a little over medicated by Dr. Eugene Landy and that becomes a major focal point of the movie as it progresses into its second half. Now Bill Pollard directs Love and Mercy. I would say he's very brilliant in the way that he approaches this film. I, I hope that he you know he's a really good producer, but I really hope that he does take more uh, time out to do some directing because he's quite good at it, uh, at least based on his uh, work here. One of the things that I really liked about Pollard's style is that he really emphasizes sound. And I think that that's really important to highlight in terms of the life story of Brian Wilson because sound is really the thing that made Brian Wilson such a genius. His use and his, 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 uh, his tinkering and his ability to draw out unique and different and disparate sounds and make it into this unified symphony. Um, but the sound would also be the thing that would eventually um, be his undoing in a personal fashion. And um, because there were sounds that he was hearing that he shouldn't have been hearing, and it really started to affect him uh, and his ability to not only work, but just deal with life. And I think that Polad really employs this uni- really unique approach because I think that most biopics will depict the rise and fall of a great artist. Almost u- universally, when you watch a musical biopic, it has this very familiar arc that you're, you're supposed to go by. But Love and Mercy really displays two different eras and both of them simultaneously, which is kind of unique in its own fashion. It has Wilson's peak creatively. Um, but also was the beginning of his downfall in terms of his personal life when he's a younger man. And then we encounter him later at the worst part of his life uh, creatively, but also getting better in terms of his personal life. Supposedly, you know, he will ne- he would never be fully whole, but with Dr. Eugene Landy, at least according to him, <laughs> he is actually functional and it's better than him being in some sort of institution. Or so he claims, anyway. So we we don't really get there. There is this middle part of his of his life where the film really could have gone because the worst part of his life was in between these two prongs of his life, where he wallowed in a bedridden state and actually self medicated for nearly three years. He was uh, he had just basically dropped out and just remained laying in bed with the only exception to get up and go eat he actually would his his weight had gotten up to about 300 pounds during this period and um, he was growing worse but then he gets better because uh he you know eugene landy actually would take him take on him uh wilson as his case but the doctor became much he was very controlling kind of a control freak and he to a certain extent, he really didn't have Wilson's best interests at heart. We eventually come to find out through the story. 
Now, this is a story about a man who wrestled with control of his environment, being Brian Wilson. But as he's tried his best to control all of these aspects of his, his environment, not only in the studio, but also outside of the studio, he also began to lose control of himself. And then in his later years, almost as this kind of irony, he tries to find control of himself when he allows somebody else to control all aspects of his environment. So the unique approach that Poled gives us really draws out more shades of who Brian Wilson might truly be than if he were to give us just this mere collection of personal and professional milestones, because it delves more into a character study of Wilson as an artist, as a philosopher, and as a person who tries to find the, the capability to love someone else again. And it also gives us much more meaning to his music than most biopics would have done um, of a similar ilk. And I think that it's much more of a look at the artistic meaning to each composition and how driven Wilson had been to realize this perfectionist dream of the things he had in his own mind. And he, he does this while also eschewing the legion of fan worship that's frequently part of such, such stories. We don't really get all of the mobs of groupies that surely would follow a group like the Beach Boys around. We really are concentrating more on Wilson and his reclusiveness and his, his bubble that he's kind of created for himself. It's also a film about the making of some great music, more so than looking at the personal achievements that this music brought upon the person and persons who made it. One of the things that's really superb about the film is this sense of period detail. There's a lot of old techie equipment, you know, cameras and microphones and, and audio equipment and recording equipment that's just, it just feels so spot on. And the fashion is just, it looks, when, when you're in the 1960s, it looks like the 1960s. And the eyeglasses and everything you see, the 1980s looks like the 1980s, but it's never stereotypical you know you don't see a bunch of hippies in the 1960s you know just to draw that out you don't hear a lot of you know overdone slang during the 1980s you know it it, it really you, you can get the sense of the film just based on how it looks and also the it does it in this lack this less ostentatious way that i really found very refreshing the other thing that I, I think that makes it easy to understand which era you're in, not only because we know that Dano's in the 60s and also Cusack is in the 1980s, but is this use of this retrospective vision, this color, this light palette for the scenes in the 1960s. It has that really, the, the way that it's filmed is slightly grainy. It feels like it's done on an old analog camera, as if they, the, the life of Wilson had been recorded on a camera of the time. And and the same happens in the 1980s, although a much more glossy feel. And it not only gives that effect of knowing what period we're in based on the, the texture of the film and also the fashions, but it also gives you that absorbing feeling like you're actually there with Wilson at the time, too. 
Now, like Wilson's works themselves, it's it's that use of sound, like I said, the editing in to create this mood and this meaning, where I think that Polad's film really does shine. Not only because of the use of music, but also this clicking and clanging and the mixing of this cacophonic collage into the times when Wilson begins to have episodes where he's hearing things that aren't really there. It really is effective at saying so much with the use of sound without actually having to spell it out for us by having some character really relate to. As it is mostly in Wilson's mind, he doesn't really talk about it with most people. And so, but we are always clued in because of the way that sound is used. I, I would love to see this get an Academy Award nomination for the use of sound here because I, I can't think of any other film that I've seen in recent memory where it becomes such an integral part of the storytelling process. Now, for all of the bells and whistles here, both literally and figuratively, I think I'd be remiss in, if I didn't also praise the acting that happens in this film. Now, some people might cite the, the movie as being uh, full of miscast actors. Maybe in some, some people might feel that it's miscast across the board. Dano and Cusack look very little alike, um, not only in, in this in real life, but also in this film. They, there's no real attempt to joining them. In fact, Polad actually deliberately kept the two actors apart. They don't share any scenes distinctly because he wanted them to be their own interpretation on these different parts of Brian Wilson's life because Brian Wilson also is very different throughout parts of his life. So, you know, he didn't want them copying each other and trying to get each other's mannerisms. He wanted them to give their own take. Um, now, Cusack certainly looks nothing like the real Brian Wilson, even though Dano does. And that fact will probably be all the more glaring when you actually see the real Brian Wilson. At the very end of the film, we get a live concert performance as the closing credits roll. And you realize that <laughs> now we have a third vision of Brian Wilson, the real Brian Wilson, who looks very distinct, distinct based on the other two. I think that that really... It, you know, you can gripe about Cusack's casting here, but I don't think that you should really take away too much because I think Cusack gives one of his best performances here in many years. So if you can't suspend your disbelief for this movie that the veteran actor, the well-known actor John Cusack, is Brian Wilson in spirit, if not really in appearance or in body, then I think that the movie does really work wonderfully. Now, Dano does resemble a younger Wilson quite well, I believe. And he, even as an actor, goes so far as to put on weight for uh, to, to depict Wilson as he became a little bit more heavy as he began to stay and work in the studio long hours. He wasn't really eating well. He obviously was taking drugs and really not taking good care of himself. And I think that Dano goes all out for that part, but he also learned how to play the piano for this role to do the finger movements anyway, and he actually does his own singing in some of the scenes. Now, some of the scenes are obviously lip sync, but when we get to the more polished versions of the Beach Boys music, but he does do some of his own singing during the rehearsal parts and also as he's trying to do some songwriting, which I think that that really works well too. Um, The supporting players, Paul Giamatti and Elizabeth Banks, are equally commanding in their own ways. 
both are very fierce and also in their own ways, but I think that Giamatti in particular really earns a special kind of kudos for treading the line between seeming benevolent and also seeming menacing in a way in which you're never quite sure if Dr. Landy has a method to his madness in his methods of curing madness. Is, you know, even when he seems to be verbally, perhaps even physically abusive to Brian Wilson, it seems like he is actually trying to help him, maybe a little bit too much sometimes, but you're never quite sure, is this really helping him or is this hurting him? What's going on? So I I think that it, it does leave that question mark there. You know, I think it definitive, definitively answers by the end of the film, but I think that having that question mark there is really interesting in terms of the way that the story plays out. Obviously, Beach Boys fans will no doubt be ecstatic at seeing what amounts to the, uh, a simulated behind-the-scenes look at the making of what many considered to be the Beach Boys' greatest album, Pet Sounds, it had been a critical success at the time, but a co- commercial misfire, one of the worst of the, at least at the time of its initial release, its worst uh, on the charts. And that caused a lot of consternation among the group as to whether to continue to indulge Brian and his increasingly more complex visionary tinkering with what had been up to that point a very simple and very defined sound. Um, now, Pet Sounds was very much misunderstood at the time. Um, in fact, you know the 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 crown jewel of the album, one of the the Beach Boys' greatest songs. Some might even cite uh, the greatest song as "Good Vibrations," which also f- followed in this very same creative period for Brian Wilson. Um, God only knows. And you know, most people would consider it their best song, maybe even their second best song. Uh, but certainly in the top five, it was actually released as a B-side at the time. So uh, they didn't really know what kind of great song that they had, even when it was first heard. Uh, and there's a lot of talk in this film by among the group that is just depressing. Nobody wants to hear depressing music. They want to hear about summer and sun and fun. And that actually becomes part of this story as well. That work remains to this day one of the great masterworks in rock and roll, in the history of rock and roll, and one of the more influential tracks. Love and Mercy, if I were to compare it to music, it's not really so much an anthology as it is to look look at a works, the works of a man during two very distinct periods of his life. So we don't get the complete picture. We don't get his birth. We don't get him in an older age. Brian Wilson is still alive. So we don't get any of that except for this concert performance. But I think by narrowing in on a couple of the big major shifts in his life, I think that we really get much more detail about who Brian Wilson is and what he's overcome and what he's done, not only professionally, but also personally then we would have been afforded if we got this complete arc where we had to cram all of his life into two hours. I think we we learn so much more by l- knowing less 
which is kind of one of the ironies of the film. So we may not get all of the milestones, but it's certainly, I think, after you watch this film, even if you're not a Beach Boys fan, if you if you came into this just having a vague awareness of their music, I, it's hard for me to imagine getting really, coming out of this film not becoming a fan. I mean, uh, I can only speak for myself because I I do have familiarity with a lot of their music, but... After coming out of this film, I really wanted to hear some Beach Boys music and to really understand what's going on in that. Because I think that Pola really does a great job at uh, at giving us this really mesmerizing portrait of Brian Wilson as a tormented musical artist that is worth studying and worthy, certainly, of his own film. So by dissecting his music... We get this, you know, it, it might seem initially when you listen to the Beach Boys music as catchy pop to tap your feet to, just like this movie might be. But I think that if you slow things down enough in in Brian Wilson's music, but also his life, where we can really dissect it into the various parts that get put together, this complex tapestry, we can really see that there's a genius behind every note and behind every point of his career. I'm giving Love and Mercy a strong three and a half stars. Three and a half, by my definition, it means it is a solidly good film. I would recommend it to anybody looking for a good movie. Certainly Beach Boys fans, it's almost must-see. If you're a fan of the history of rock and roll, it's definitely worth looking at for uh, the Brian Wilson story, it, done in a way that you may not have seen before, but also very rich. Um, but also for fans of biopics and in particular, just fans of drama and period pieces and just fans of good movies. I do recommend this quite highly. So love and mercy. If you see it in your local theaters, I do recommend going to see it. So just know, you know, just if you can get past John Cusack's casting, you're going to have a, a, a really enriching experience, I believe. This is the Quipster Film Review Podcast. You can write to me, quipster at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter, at quipster. You can like me on Facebook, facebook.com slash quipster.net. Or you can just go to my website where you can catch all of those. Quipster.net. The spelling of quipster is with a w q w i p s t e r dot net. Coming up next, in a couple of days, we'll have the review of Jurassic World. So... If you haven't done so already, please click the subscribe button and you'll get that review within a few days. And along with all of the films of the rest of the summer and the rest of this this year, if you are on iTunes, I highly encourage you to leave a review. I have a couple of reviews there already and they not only help me in terms of iTunes placement, but also help me continue to do this show because this is all a voluntary show. I don't make any money off of it. Uh, in fact, I lose money off of it because I do have to pay for <laughs> to go see these movies. I'm not a uh, I'm I'm still considered to be an amateur film critic despite doing it for almost 20 years. Um, and I while I do get an, a screener here and there from studios that want me to review their films, for the most part, I do have to pay to go see the movies. So anything that you can do to uh, to help me out 
whether it's just leaving a, a review on iTunes or even just clicking the subscribe button or sending me an e- email and letting me know that you enjoy the show. It would be greatly appreciated. So, Anyway, t- until next time, I hope that you enjoy your time at the movies and I hope that you do go see this really very solid musical biopic because I, I really uh, did enjoy it and was affected by it quite a bit. Until next time, enjoy your time at the movies, everyone. <laughs>